Hey guys, Mike here. Hey, on this episode, Walker Woods stops by in studio. Walker of Woods Family Dog Training. Walker uh, really does a great job training folks' dogs to hunt over. Um, a lot of upland hunting training, but he understands waterfowl dogs. He understands upland dogs. He understands hound dogs, coon dogs, bear dogs, rabbit dogs, whatever the case may be. You know, he cut his teeth behind some beagles hunting rabbits as a kid. So he understands so many things with dogs. And this is a really good podcast and uh, full of knowledge, but especially if you are a dog owner. And if you hunt with your dogs as well, it's a little bit of a, a kicker. It's a bonus, uh, but it's still a really good podcast either way. I hope you guys enjoy this one. I really did. Uh, Walker is great dude, and he really knows the ins and outs of hunting dogs. Enjoy. What's up, guys? Hey, I recently had Sean with Swamp Stick on the podcast, and we talked about a super cool product. The Swamp Stick is a very versatile piece of equipment for your waterfowl set. Uh, this thing can be taken every single day and used in 10 different ways. Um, put your motion de decoys on it at different heights. Um, it's extendable. Put your gear on it. Hang your gun on it. You can get a plethora of attachments for this thing if you guys would like you can get 10 percent off exclusively here on mountain and marsh all caps m a m p 10 that'll get you 10 percent off at checkout swamp-stick.com that's m a m p 10 that's all capitals check them out on facebook instagram tiktok you know the deal Hey everybody, I'm here with Walker. Walker, why don't you introduce yourself, tell everybody where you're from, who you are, what you do. Hello, I am Walker Woods. I am the owner and head trainer at Woods Family Dog Training, and I'm from Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and I've been dog training for about, well, my entire life, but professionally for about 10 years now, and that's what's up. All right, so we were talking before the podcast a little bit, and uh, you do majority of your work nowadays with like the hunting dog realm, like you like to dive into that, that stage. And that's the upland hunting is something that I'm not completely familiar with a little bit, but 
uh, a lot of people really love upland hunting and dogs and upland hunting go together like peas and carrots. I mean, it's like next, they're next to kin. And so it's a big deal what you do for the upland hunting and stuff. Yeah, if you don't have a dog or a dog that is a bird hunter, it is hard to find wild birds, as we were saying. Um, it can be a lot of fun to go out and watch your dog run around in a field. Um, but if you haven't done the the legwork to make sure your dogs know why they're out there when you're har- carrying a gun in a field, um, it can be pretty frustrating, um, which is why a lot of guys call me mid-season and uh, right. <laughs> looking for a little help. Um and I'm always obliged to help them out then, but it's always better to get them started, you know, you know, in the, we're in the dog days of summer right now. So right. Yeah. Waking up early and getting your dogs on birds is, is important now. Uh, this is a, this is something that I've thought about before on public land here in Pennsylvania. Anybody who doesn't know who's listening in the state of Pennsylvania, they do stock pheasant, which you can talk all the shit you want, but it is really cool that Pennsylvania does take some of our tax dollars and it goes towards something that you can actually physically see that they're trying uh, towards. And I've been up there hunting on some of these uh, large tracks of old farmland that were converted to public land. And to see these full setups, the, the fields are set up with anything from sunflowers to CRP fields to cedar thickets. And they're all for these upland birds. When you, as someone who's hunted by himself without a dog, you go in there, you're walking around with a shotgun, you're sweating, you're trying to find birds, you're trying to kick birds up, and you might spend all day and never flush a single farm-raised bird. But then you come by somebody with like a pair of GSPs and they got a full vest full and they're you know run their GSPs around. What type of dog is like the number one if if someone's gonna upland hunt what are people looking for oh man that is the question of you know that <laughs> some spaniels i mean spaniels are good so good upland birds it depends dogs. on what you're looking for and how much training you want to do in the off season and if you're looking for you know a dog that is going to be relaxed when you go out and do stuff or a dog that's going to get out there and go find stuff yeah burn it up burn right. it up um I got I run pointing dogs. Um so pointing dogs what they do their their deal is whether you got a big ranging or a short ranging dog the dog is to run out ahead of you and go find birds. So if there's no birds in at 25 yards they're going to find them at 50 yards and if my dog doesn't find birds at 50 yards I want them to go find it at 100. Um and keep going um a pointing dog can range out from for as far as you want to let them go because they are to hold the point until you get there and and that's where some training comes in but um regardless of where your dog is on point and nowadays we have gps's back in the day they had little bells and when your bell stopped ringing you know your dog stopped moving and you got to go in the direction of your dog. So now I just follow my GPS. It says 65 yards that away. Yeah, the Garmin will show you. Where <laughs> yeah. to go, right. And I walk up there and I find my dog on point. Um, ideally, if everything goes well, the bird's still there. I walk in, flush him up, shoot the bird. And that's a real good time. Um, I love pointing dogs. It's a real, it, it, it's, 
it's fun to watch a pointing dog tear up the field and go like find game. Um, flushing dogs are also a good time to hunt over. Um, flushing dogs, what their deal is, is they are to stay in gun range and basically windshield wiper in front of you to find birds and kick them up and put them up in the air, um, and shoot them. You shoot them and then your bird dog goes retrieve them. So pointers and, uh, flushers both can be trained to retrieve. That's not a deal breaker. Um, if you're looking for something like that, but the biggest deal is, um, that's what that's what our bird dogs are doing for us um yeah well what's so what you say pointer and you say flusher what is gsp the biggest pointer is that what like most people are buying that is the most popular pointer, most popular right right, in, right. In currently um I also run, I run a Brittany. I train a lot of GSPs. A ton. Brittany's are fucking beautiful dogs. By the way. They are cool dogs, man. They are small dogs. They are good to run in your house. Um, they're pretty, I wouldn't say any of these pointing dogs are real chill. Um, but, you know, pointing dogs are, uh, GSPs, I'm sorry. We keep, I like pointing dogs and flushers. I'm a dog man, so. Any good dog that goes and finds birds for you, I, I enjoy. Um, English setters, that's another popular breed that I work with to find uh, a pointer, a pointing dog. Um, we got, what else? English pointers. Um, and as far as the flushers goes, labs are probably the number one. And if you're asking for my advice on like which pointing or flushing dog you guys should get out there, I really don't have any advice on that. I say pick a good breeder. Go find a dog breeder who hunts like you hunt and get a dog like you want. Yeah, because I'd imagine there, there are even in any dog breed you could get a hit or miss. And so you you might get an English pointer that is the best dog you've ever had, even though you hunted over GSPs your whole life or, or whatever. Absolutely. And there's different lines and people breed these dogs to do different things. So um, it, there's field trial lines, which are, you know, a lot of those guys, I don't really want to talk out of my league here, but a lot of those guys are not even hunting their dogs all the time. They're, especially for horseback field trialers, they're out there on their back. They're just running their dogs and they really like watching their dogs run and they're getting judged in points. And in my opinion, um, if you want a high powered, big running dog to take out West, you might look in to field trial dogs but if you're a person who lives back east here you might look for you know somebody who is in the navda space um navda uh, stands for north american versatile hunting dog association um that's a, a good uh a place to look for breeders of dogs gsps are are big in that um organization and that'd be a good way to find any pointing dog that you're looking for is that more of an all-around type of dog, like a dog that can hunt different species and yeah so the the versatile side of that is the it, a dog that points um can retrieve out of water and track so they want to have a dog that does all three of these things it works land water and retrieves on both um the you know, a lot of people laugh because a lab will do all those things too, you know, but a lab really isn't a, a pointing dog. You can train a dog, uh, a lab to point, which I do quite a bit nowadays, um, just because labs are 
awesome dogs to have. They're also very popular. They've gotten popular. Yeah. Yeah. Um, If you want a dog to live in your house and you just want a hunting dog to go out and hang out with you on the boat when you're fishing, man, you cannot beat a lab. Uh, I I train a ton of labs every year, and I'm – I always say, just get a lab. (laughs) Yeah. You're going to be happy. If you're an outdoorsman, you want a dog to take with you when you're shed hunting, um, a dog that has got a good work ethic but is going to, you know, can be trained to relax in the house, man, you can't be a lab. Yeah. One thing, like, I've hunted with guys who have have been dog guys. Like, I hunt with a guy named Kelly, and Kelly is – he's had – beagles he has uh coon bear dogs he has a spaniel i think that springer it's a it's a red it's a red dog long-haired red dog short red hair is it it a britney spaniel it might be a britney okay it it, it does look very much like a britney I, i don't know but i know that it's a small dog that he uses for all of his pheasant hunting okay he used to have gsp P or two. Okay. And was like, this little this little dog would do everything. Right. So she she was like the one that would do everything. We would go to public land. She would flush pheasants for us. And just like he had all these dogs. And like I grew up in a family, like we'd have dogs, but nobody had like hunting dogs. Right. We all hunted, but it was like, that's the dog that hangs out on the couch or on the porch or whatever. Right. And then I went out with this guy and I was like, all his dogs do different things and they're all in different kennels or some of them live in the house and like, but his bear dogs serious as it gets. Like yeah. those dogs are mean, like not mean, but like yeah. those dogs are nasty. Like they'll get after it. Yeah. And like, there's just, there's like different levels of dogs, you know? And I never knew anything about that. We have, you know, obviously we have a boxer and a boxer worm runner mix They're I don't want to say they're turds. They're my boys, but they would rather sit on the couch in the AC They'll they'll love to be out in the woods, but if I was like, let's go up to the mountain and run a laurel thicket, my my boy Oscar would be like, uh uh-uh, uh, dude, <laughs> right, Dad, I'm sitting in the truck, right, go ahead, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, the dogs that are bred to do this. If you have any expectations on a dog, um, that's where you really want to be looking into specifics, specific breeders, specific breeds, right, um, yeah. and. And specific training, really, um, whether you're looking for a professional or just um, there's a ton of online stuff where you can, if you were a go-getter, DIYer, man, you can get on YouTube and pay for a couple online courses and, man, you can take off with it nowadays. Yeah, I know guys who have dogs who they completely train their dog from puppy off of YouTube. Yeah. And they have great dogs. It's like that they're not perfect by any means, but... When it comes to waterfowl hunting, they shoot, the dog jumps, gets the bird, comes back. It does exactly what they want that dog to do. And YouTube training. Like, it's like, sometimes it works like that. (laughs) That's a lab though, right? Uh, Lab, two labs and golden retriever. Yeah. Yeah, Those, those labs and golden retrievers retrieve, man. Like, that's why I say, if you're looking for a dog, like a hunting dog, just get a lab. (laughs) And you can find that, you can train that dog. Um, You teach it a couple of times to flush birds out in the field. They'll start picking up like, oh, there's birds out here. He's carrying a gun. I'm going to start looking for birds. Right. Um, They pick up really quick. Yeah. There's, there's almost a, it it's room 
up, upland hunting is like romantic because it's one of those things that, and I know that Europe is very weird about quote unquote public lands. They don't have public lands like we have, right. but they're very weird about hunting. You have to go to these big game preserves and, and they're, you know, the guys in the checkered pants, they're out there with a, uh, I can't remember what they call them. They're like the Boston hats. Yeah, like, no, and I, they're, they're out there with a gun or the, an, an over under cocked over their arm. And it's the, that whole thing. Like over here in America, it's like, woo, free for all. Put a lab in the pickup truck. And let's go shoot something. Like over there, it's different. But you, you see like the Britney Spaniels and English setters and the, you know, these beautiful, really beautiful dogs. Like I, I think some of those Spaniels are just some of the most beautiful dogs and griffins and and stuff and it's like yeah. that there's a, it's something romantic about that style of yeah we'll go grouse thing. hunting this year and you'll be you'll be in love you'll want a dog you're gonna start buying fancier <laughs> shotguns you're having some uh you don't know me dude i, I will shoot the run of the, the bottom of the litter i don't care I shoot. I still shoot my grandfather's eight seventy, but I hey, shoot me old Stoger in there. <laughs> that's that's the upland in it. It's like it's my grandfather's though. It's from, yeah. it's from the sixties. I got. <laughs> it hurts when I shoot it. <laughs> it's. I get. Uh, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but everybody who knows me that hunts with me knows that I am not. When when my buddy's like, dude, I just bought a new Benelli. It cost me eighteen hundred dollars. I'm like, you're an idiot. Because yeah. I bought four shotguns for that price. <laughs> right. like, they just shoot BBs in the air. I don't know what you're looking. <laughs> it's in the air. I shot it. Yeah, no, I. I but I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm get a on terrible shot, and a I don't own a nice shotgun. So you know. Well, it's just like the the act of upland hunting and grouse hunting is very and woodcock hunting too is I don't know why pheasant I've had a bad taste in my mouth because not literally because pheasant even if they're farm raised <laughs> tastes great but pheasant hunting the only pheasant hunting we have local here is actually farm raised birds that are released but woodcock and grouse up in the mountain are actually wild. And so that attracts me so much more. It's like when guys are like, I spent, you know, three years chasing this one whitetail and he scored 178 inches when I killed him. And I spent every waking moment. Well, I, I hunt turkeys, ducks, deer, and I'll hunt upland and coyotes and whatever. So I'm like, for me, I'm like, I don't like focus on one thing, right? but I do really enjoy, like, I like to be a conservationist. So I like to, right. I enjoy letting some deer go and letting some young turkeys go. And so grouse are so cool to me up in the mountain because it's like, it's me and this laurel thicket and three miles. And I'm going to walk three miles today out. And then I'm going to walk miles around these laurel thickets and like, try to find one that's completely wild. That's cooler to me than shooting 150 inch deer. Like it's oh, just yeah. on farmland. Like that's, that's so cool. I, that to me, I would have totally agree. I, I'm a, I'm a bird nerd. So I've always been infatuated with birds. You know, I, I just, I, I saw a Baltimore or I saw an Oriole the other day, not a Baltimore. Right? He wasn't. Where at? Um, it was at my, up at central Penn where, you know, I train. Um, it was right on the edge of a field. It was, pretty rad that was the second one i've seen in my life so i've never seen one and somebody posted one on a 
Frederick page the other day, and I was like, that's cool. I wish I would say that. Yeah. You gotta, you, maybe you can come out here and shoot some birds for me for while I'm training dogs. Uh, yeah. So, like I said. But, yeah, upland hunting is such a um, – it's a romantic thing. It, there's a different – I want to – eat well, with waterfowl hunting, there's kind of that thing. But what whitetail hunting, even the guys who are, like, hardcore whitetail hunters, it's still, like – monster energy and shoot a fucking deer in my tree stand like it's still hardcore yeah you know but upland hunting has always been that style of hunting like with waterfowl where it was everybody get together it breaks daylight everybody jumps out the truck get your chaps on go out and beat some brush got dogs running around it's kind of a more intricate situation it's not just you deer it's not like you animal it's very much like a community thing and and that's what's really cool about hunting like that is it's a completely different feel it feels different yeah i was lucky enough to be introduced to hunting through rabbit hunting with beagles so uh, what i think about when i think about hunting i think about hanging out with my dad watching dogs run and like just it's a community thing my grandfather would come along he wouldn't even carry a gun he just liked to hear the dogs hang run and right, just hang, yeah. hang so that is always a a cool thing it, it is a like here in america and i when it's done well i think upland hunting is that same thing um i joke a lot with my friends it's like uppity land hunting um just it, it can be a lot of like nose up in the air like yeah, pointing dog like i said fancy shotgun to me that stuff turns me off um i make a joke of all that stuff um it it, it i think it gets in the way of, bringing, of what it really is and what it really is yeah, and bringing yeah. people in so you know um it, it, upland hunting is is something really it is romantic but i try not to keep to get too you know ridiculous about it <laughs> It's easy, I, it's I easy to get a, taken away with all that. I read a book a couple of years ago, um, and it was about there aren't many good hunting books because most most old guys who hunted were just like salt of the earth. They didn't need to write a book. They right. were like, Yeah, I'm gonna go out and shoot a four point and right. fill the freezer. Like and so there aren't many good hunting books. And years ago I read an upland book, and it was a it was an author who he was an author for like East Coast or East Eastern hunting or something like that. And so the guy wrote, writes his entire book. He used to make all these excerpts about him and his dogs upland hunting in the in the West. And this guy, like the way he put it, like romanticized, the way he put everything together in his stories. Right. It was like not only were you right there, but it was like. I can like feel the sun coming up in the morning and like he's listening to his dog with a bell on her neck running it like 80 yards out. And like, it was so cool. It was like those stories and those, those type of guys were guys who him and his buddies did brag about the shotguns they had. I'm not like that. It's not me. I use the same shotgun to pheasant hunt, um, turkey hunt and duck hunt. I I use the same one, but, you know, it's it's not for me. It's not about that. 
but still there's something very cool about that oh, feel. Yeah, yeah man. Of it. To me, it's all about the dog work. Um, I got out of hunting just because I was doing so busy with canine stuff for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, every weekend that I had, I was, you know, getting bit by dogs for, you know, canine stuff for work. Um, I got out of that. Luckily, I had a client about, I don't know, five years ago, asked if I could train him a bird dog. He goes to Wisconsin, goes grouse hunting every year. He, like, takes, like, month-long trips. Mm-hmm. And it just dragged me in. I was like, ah, I'll try that. Yeah, sure. Um, it sucked me in, man. Um, it, it, now I'm I'm full-blown into it again. Um, I haven't done it since I was, like, a kid since then. But the last five years have just – it's just drugged me in. And, you know, it's – it, bit, it bites you hard once you get in that wild bird flushes in front yeah. of your dog, and it, it it's a crazy feeling. I think that grouse also are something that people don't. Most hunters, and I and I grew up in Carroll County, Maryland. I've hunted outside of Staunton, Virginia, for my entire life. Deer hunting since 1952. Our family's been going down there, right? Deer hunting, turkey season. We're down there for turkey season. And it, the mountain, almost almost every day, at least, at least once every two days. I'm in deer season in the molar rut, and I'm down there walking through a laurel thicket, and me and dad are trying to bump deer to each other. And I'll be like, shit. And they'll go grouse. Like, there's, there's grouse everywhere. Yeah. And... Like they were everywhere and they were so beautiful and they were cool to me, but I didn't ever think about hunting them. Right. And then just recently, I'm like, there's so many people, I get back to what I was saying, there's so many people from where I'm from who hunted only farmland for whitetails. Right. And then I, what I'd tell people, like, yeah, no, we go to the mountain and hunt all the time. And they're like, well, why? Like, why do you walk two miles from camp to try to shoot a four point? Like, right. I can walk a hundred yards from my truck and shoot a four point. Like that's stupid. I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's, it's because it's cool. Like I flip over rocks and find fossils. Like there's a rock right, literally right there beside you on that shelf. Like there's fossils in that rock. Like, and that come off of, off the mountain in Virginia, but literally like I, and there's, there's ones way bigger than that. And like, it's like, I've spent years of my life doing that and like finding mushroom patches and rattlesnakes being everywhere and like jump coming upon timber rattlers and it's cool as shit. And people will be like, yeah, but why would, if you're just going to shoot a deer, like, well, and I'm like, you don't understand. And so with grouse hunting and like grouse in general, it's such a, when you get in that mountain, you get a mile or two from a trail trailhead and there's an old clear cut and you cut down that old tr- clear cut in November looking for deer sign. And all of a sudden you flush two or three grouse. It's like, I wasn't here for the grouse and I'm holding a rifle, right. but it's cool. It's cool. Oh, like it's, yeah. it's super cool. Cause they're completely wild. Yeah. There it's not, you know, nobody raised them on a farm and put them there. 
nature put them there. Like, yeah. That's cool. And they're holding on. They're survivors. I mean, <laughs> grouse have taken a beating just from the lack of habitat. I mean, so many forests just let their forests grow up so you can see through them now. I mean, everybody likes old growth. That's, you know, all the recreational forests. It's stupid because even deer don't like that. I know. It, deer, it, they like the oaks. Right. They like the acorns. But other than that, yeah. There's nothing those tulip poplars are doing for those deer. The same as the grouse, the same as everything else. Right. So it, that's one of the biggest struggles that, you know, the grouse have. But there are grouse out there, despite what people say. I mean, you and I are at a generation we really don't know what everybody was talking about before us. Um, when I was right. growing up, you know, on a, the northern part of the county here, we had a lot of grouse Um and just in my backyard, you know, I lived in the, you know, really? in the woods, you know, and we would hear them drumming in the springtime. And that was always, you know, pretty rad. Um, but I don't, I'm not out as much. I don't hear them drumming, but I do flush them when I'm out mountain biking. Um, I know they're out there. Um, but you know, everything in the mountain is cooler, man. You know, it doesn't matter yes. if you're, if you're hunting mountain bucks or, you know, whatever it is everything is cooler in the mountains it, you know it, hunting orchard deer you know growing up is you know that's pretty cool you know there's, there's big deer in the orchard yeah but. they're in that patch of woods right there we're gonna hunt around it like that's where they live right. like that's how it works but you know like you know mountain stuff is just cooler they got more space to go you know you have more space to go everything is more free so yeah. i mean it, like the buck behind you there on the wall that's a mountain deer but like there, you know the that's the last buck my great grandfather ever killed. Actually, the last deer ever killed. But, nice. So like the mountain, like it, it is funny you bring that up because I try to tell people that, and I've taken friends with us down to camp, and they've only gone one year, right? And they're like, "I'm not doing that again, dude. We 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 saw four deer all week. Like we're not going to." I'm like, I get it. You can sit in your tree stand and see. 15 deer in a night. So right. that four, those four deer all week don't mean anything to you. Right. Here's the difference. There's nobody hunting from here until 10 miles to the next road. Yeah. And I can walk five miles and find deer bigger than you can find, you know, in your area on farmland. Right. Because there are some really big deer. but And, and same with turkeys, same with grouse. I mean, right. there's just so, so many, there's so much to see. Right. And that's what attracts me to the mountain. If I can start somewhere and just walk yeah, and not find another human, not find another thing, like I, I can just go. Yeah. That's a that is, hunting trip. That's cool to me. Be, just like the rocket right there. Like, and that's like a tiny one. There's, I've found some fossils down there that are just nuts. Like the amount of shit, like I'm holding my hands up, but like nine, 10 inches long, like these tetrapods and shit on these rocks and That's it's like cool. i am in the middle of the appalachian mountains right and i found this like that's a successful day that's right. all i need to see yep i guess it yeah that's cool yeah anytime i just find nobody that or nothing mm -hmm. <laughs> that's you know that's success yeah that's a it, it is a a big deal the Upland hunting in the mountain is such a niche thing, too, because on top of, like, where we hunt in Virginia, there are guys, I think, one time ever in the, since I, I am 30 now, and since I was 
five or so, I was going down to Virginia to deer camp. We've only one time ever on one single day, there were there was a guy and I think two sons and a dog, and they went grouse hunting one day. Right. Nobody even does it. Like, it's not even that big of a thing. Right. And I, that's why for years I didn't think about it. I was like, oh, I saw two grouse. I jumped two grouse today and saw one doe. And they're like, oh, okay. Like, that's when I get back to camp, like, we all BS and right. then we might have dinner and whatever. And that's what I'd say. Well, then this guy stops and he's like, oh, yeah, we're going to go out and uh, try to flush some birds up on that cedar thicket up there. And we're like, really? Because <laughs> We jumped three this week up there, but like I didn't think about shooting right. them. Like, no, I'm gonna go with you to deer camp. <laughs> I'm gonna follow you. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not kidding. The, so the podcast I, I was listening to a while back, those guys were from uh, Tennessee. Yeah, and they were hunting around Gatlinburg and stuff up in the mountains for grouse, and they were saying how little grouse were in the area and i'm like oh really they're like yeah the the populations decrease over the years and this and that and i thought that's funny because where i hunt in virginia they're everywhere (laughs) dude like they're everywhere i'll I'll just be sitting down turkey season you'll hear drumming coming from 15 yards to your right like no there they are like they're everywhere down there that's awesome well we should probably stop talking about that (laughs) because Oh, it's it's awesome down there. It's big, big mountain down okay. there too. I'm gonna go, but yeah, that the the whole upland thing's really cool, and it's cool that you spend so much time, you know, working with dogs because it's it's that's also a dying art is working with hunting dogs. I I think that back in the day, more hunters just had dogs that went with them everywhere. Not even if they were exclusively hunting dogs, there were just more people that had. I remember my family just, you know, my uncle Jimmy, he's dead and gone, but he had Chesapeake Bay Retriever right. that was with him every day. It didn't matter what he was doing. Like, right. He always with him. Like it, it, it's a, there's, there used to be more people that just had dogs, like hunting dogs and right. dogs that did everything, you know? Yeah. That, my dad, I can, he was like, uh, I don't know. He wouldn't really call himself a dog man, like, especially as what I've become. Um, but he had a dog. He got, like I said, he got me into beagles. We had a golden retriever. Um, she really, we didn't like, we didn't do any waterfowl hunting and she would come along with us when our, we would hunt. Um, I, she really didn't do a whole lot other than like just companionship but she would tear up some groundhogs um i when i grew up i was lucky enough to grow up in a rural part of the county where my dad gave me a bb gun eventually at 22 and me and that dog just traveled yeah to me like that is being outside and hunting is with a dog um even when i'm most of the season when i'm hunting uh archery my dog will be in in the car this year especially you know he'll do blood tracking for me um anything i need my dog is just to me that's my companion that's my best hunting buddy Mm -hmm. um and most useful one really (laughs) none of my other buddies can uh smell birds or track a deer (laughs) track a deer down so um that's pretty good although i I, you know i got some really good uh blood trailer buddies so yeah that's um back to like my dogs my dogs aren't they're the greatest companions in the world but they're not 
hunting companions. But my buddy Kelly, you know, Kelly literally it he has beagles for um rabbits, he's got hounds for coons and bears, he's got a, a spaniel that'll run any upland bird. So he pretty much other than a waterfowl dog and he could probably figure it out because he's he's raised dogs his whole right. life. It's what he grew up with. Right. So it, he's the type of guy. It's like, what do you want to go hunt for? We'll go hunt for it. Like, right. I let these dogs out this truck in West Virginia, and four miles later, we'll find a bear. Like, it, right. That's how it is. So it's super cool to hunt. I've hunted with him over the years, some, and it. I do a lot of different hunting, so I'm not always with him. But you know, when he says, "Hey, you want to go rabbit hunt?" Last year, I went rabbit hunting for the first time. I didn't even kill a rabbit, but it was so fun. We were like, we were in a thicket, and the beagles would sprint past me to the left and sprint past me five minutes later to the right. And I was like, I don't even know what's going on right now. And he's like, just stand still. The rabbit's going to come. Yeah. Like, it, it was just the entire time. They were running rabbits around. It's it's super fun. The dogs are cool, man. Hey, I, like I said, hunting to me, it, I would rather watch dogs hunt than sit in a tree stand any day. Um, that it hurts sometimes when rut is killing, when everything's when you got bucks running around, like you can see them from the field because mm-hmm. <laughs> you're watching your dog. You've chased off bucks all day when you're trying to find birds with your dog, um, you know. But it, it, just hiking, just moving, uh, it always is a struggle for me to sit in a tree stand, you know, no matter what, even on the best day. But walking. And just looking for birds, looking for rabbits, man. It, I just that's that's what it is for me. So, yeah, I think, I think the um, also it's a different like nowadays. And one thing that really kind of irks me with the dog thing is that nowadays, just like you said, get a lab if you want. A, guys don't dedicate a dog. They don't like dedicate. I want to do upland hunting and then they dedicate a dog. Right. And they dedicate their time. A lot of guys do, and there's nothing wrong with wanting a dog that does everything. Right. But there aren't that many people who are like, I want an English pointer and I, cause they're beautiful dogs. I want an English pointer and we're going to do English pointer shit. And that's yeah. what we're going to do. There aren't many people who do that. Yeah. Right it, now. I mean, you're right and that is why the gsps are so popular um the versatile dogs are to me that is where it's at like and even if you have a pointer it i gotta have my dogs be able to to retrieve birds like i i just think it's silly to go (laughs) spend all the time and and the money and and then pick up my own bird like that is like it's just, uh, I, but to each his own, because that's a lot of like, you know, pointing guys, that's all they care is their dog, find birds, they shoot it and they'll walk over and get it. Um, so you, do you mean that by like the GSP or? GSPs are, they're like, by definition, they're called versatile dogs. They're supposed to retrieve, retrieve. the bird that okay. you shot. Some birds like in the, like the way that their dogs are tested for and luckily hunting dogs still are for the most part tested in what they are want meant to do pointing dogs a lot of those like english pointers they're awesome to to watch like you said point in the field but they have no requirement as far as breeding goes to ever retrieve a bird so all they Mm -hmm. it's all before shot 
after the shot to me is where, you know, I like, that's where the conservation comes in. So that's where your dog as a conservation tool is really important. You you want to have a dog that will make go, sure you get your bird. Exactly. Um, you know, to me, that's honestly, that's why I've never shot a duck. I've gotten my waterfowl license the last five years. Um, I've had opportunities to shoot a wood duck over some spots that I'm like, yeah, but I'd probably have to go in that muck and like figure out how to go that's get me. that. Yeah, that's crazy, man. I'm I'm the retriever. I would never. I was like, I I will just never shoot a bird that I can't send a dog to go get. Like that's just I I love birds and I love, but to me, it's the whole picture. It's the dog, the work. And then the shot, which I very rarely make, and then the dog retrieves the bird. To me, that is like, oh, that's it's like winning, yeah. winning the Super Bowl every freaking time. Yeah, because you know that you're training. It, it yeah. I mean, it's all. I mean, and yes, like either you got super lucky and your gen- dog has amazing genetics and that just worked out the first time it goes, or most of us, yeah, we're putting in the time in the off season, getting our dogs on birds. We're buying pigeons. We're uh, putting pigeons in launchers and shooting birds and making sure our dogs are retrieving. Um, you know that there's a lot that goes into you know hunt training your hunting dog before right to make it a conservation tool there's a lot of training that goes into that yeah i guess um i guess waterfowl hunting so i've never had a waterfowl i've waterfowl hunted for years mm-hmm. and i 15 16 years now and i i've never had a and I, and I love it ate up with it i never had a waterfowl dog and the reason was i used to hunt with this guy when i was in my early 20s um and this guy had all kind of money. He was an engineer, great dude, but he would buy dogs from a breeder on the Eastern shore of Maryland. And this guy was very renowned for his dogs, but the guy would have his misfit breeds and he would cut hit the line on his bad breeds. And then he would sell those dogs off for cheaper. And so what this guy would do was, the guy called me like, "Hey, I got two of these yellow labs left." He get one of those. He got it one of those, and then he got a chocolate lab. The, he, the last dog he had was a black lab that was very good. He, right. he got a really good one, but like he had this yellow lab, and we'd go out, and it wouldn't even be daylight yet. And the dog, he would tie the dog up to a tree beside the blind while we were setting up because she couldn't sit in one spot. Right, she couldn't hang with us. She right. would just run. Yeah. So he had to tie her up. Well, then she was barking. Right. And she would bark the entire time. Then she was attracting coyotes while we were setting up duck decoys. And there were like coyotes around us, around the dog. And it was a whole thing. But that turned me off. At that young age, I'd never had a dog, like a hunting dog. And I was like, I'm not. I I would rather just go get my own bird. So to this day, I still do. Like, And it doesn't bother me. Right. I hunt with guys who have dogs who are great, and right. they'll they'll as soon as you shoot, get them, boom, right. go out. Grab they they can only grab one at a time. So I might be on this side, the right. decoy, grab one, dog grabs that one, cool. But there's just there was always this thing like, even if we were hunting on a field, over a field, no water, the dog would be. I hear the dog barking while we were goose calling, and the geese would be like, no, yeah. and dip, and I'd be like, shit. 
like I know it's a dog, but I'm not gonna say anything because he was nice enough to have me along and like yeah. So I I just had this like bad spot about labs because I was like these dogs keep hit both of his dogs cho- the chocolate and the yellow they would just bark and yeah. bark. I'm like we're so they're supposed to wait until we shoot and then they go get the birds and they were scaring the birds and I never wanted one and but now that I've hunted around some. I get it. Yeah. Waterfowl hunting isn't the same though most of the time. And I I hunt on the upper bay a lot. And so we don't even we're diver duck hunting. Right. You don't really have need for a dog. Right. Uh because the water's so deep right. and uh and the distances are so far tied and shit. Right. But you know, we're even when I'm hunting around the bay or on the lake here local and there's a position where I could use a dog. I also could just get on my kayak and go get it. Right. So it doesn't break my heart to have yeah. to go get it. But I, with upland hunting, if you had a good dog and you lived like on the South Bay area, Chesapeake Bay South, right. where the marshes are dense and the mud's dense and right. four feet deep, understandable. Right. But for, for me, I don't ever need one. But right. with upland hunting, it absolutely makes sense. You might drop a bird and it goes into a thicket. Yeah. And then are you gonna find it? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's. I mean, it sucks when you've you busted your ass all day looking for that bird. It goes up and you shoot it, and and it kind of wings it and it flails off. Yeah, right. I mean, that's a major bummer. Um, yeah, if you don't have a well trained dog, like the dog barking in the morning or dog barking in the blind, man, like an untrained dog that isn't out there on the same task as you guys are it, it's like having a, a, a buddy that won't shut the hell up or bringing the wrong person it yeah just, it's like the guy who hits a goose call in the in the blind next year it's like and you're like no, 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 shut up it, you don't want to tell him to shut up but you're like shut up it's <laughs> the worst man um especially if it's your buddy's dog i mean you know being the dog trainer guy it is you know i i always ask my friends like hey you know do you want do you want guidance on this <laughs> like i it's hard for me to keep my mouth shut like i only go on like a couple of hunts with like buddies or like their dogs are like mm-hmm, or they're just they're running out of control or they're yelling too much and they're it just it just ruins my hunt and like you know i do this professionally so i'm like dude do you want do you want some help right now? Or do you want to keep And it? then her surprise, pride. They're <laughs> yeah. like, no, it's my dog. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, all right. Like, <laughs> right, yeah. You know, so, um, but yeah, an untrained dog can really, it won't find birds. It's going to be a pain in the ass for you. And it's going to be more maintenance. You're going to be thinking more about the dog than you are the hunt. And that is a major bummer. Do you, so you do a lot of upland stuff. What other, do do you ever dive into other training? Like, is there something that you're still doing now or you, you do on the side? Or? Yeah. So I'm training a lot of, uh, like, uh, duck dogs got me into the, where I'm training at now up at Central Penn. Okay. Um, the first couple of dogs that I've trained were labs for, I mean, it's, it's, honestly, the the one of my best clients, I, I tease him all the time, but he said, I want a duck dog. I go down to the uh, eastern shore 
Um, I need them to go retrieve ducks to my hand and get in and out of boats and do all this stuff. And I was like, all right, cool. So we trained for uh, nine months just doing in and out of the boat, just doing big water, retrieve stuff, just doing that. Yeah, okay. And then come hunting season, he was like, hey, um, actually – I do a lot more pheasant hunting and we're going to go up here to my club and we're going to shoot pheasants over this dog. And I was like, okay, you know, like, <laughs> you know that we, we spent, just took all this time. Yeah, like, you know that we spent like nine months. I mean, it's your money and I'm cool with this. Like, you, you know, and I, mean, I love the dog. So it's, it's good on me. Like, you know, um, yeah. when it's clients like that and I have the dog for nine months, you know, over the course of a couple of weeks, man, it, you know, I really gets to bonding with the dog. And so it becomes my hunting dog too. So I take it out in the beginning of the season. So, you know, he said he wanted a pheasant dog. So I took him out pheasant hunting. So that's how I did that. But yeah, I get into a lot of uh, other stuff. Shed hunting was a big, I had a couple of That's clients. gotten big the last few years. Yeah. Um, shed hunting for, you know, teaching dogs to find sheds. That is a, I always tell folks that's one of the hardest things to teach your dog to find. You know, your dog is genetically bred for many, many, many generations to find birds, um, to find meatless bones uh, out in the woods that smell like the woods, really. It's that's that one of the hard, hardest yeah. things you can teach your dogs to train um, or train your dogs to do. If you don't, if, if you're not an accomplished shed hunter who's finding sheds without a dog, a dog's not going to help you. If you can, if you get into areas where there's lots right, of sheds yeah. and you can get your dog, you're out showing there, the dog every time. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of training outside of, you know, the hunting that you can get your dog conditioned to picking up sheds and bringing them to you. But man, that is one that, you know, people are, uh, people, people struggle with and a lot of the clients guys think that the dog yeah. will pick it up and then they'll just find sheds like, yeah i mean you got to do it that's a lot of off-season work whereas yeah. like a gsp or a lab once you bring it to a field and that's where the the benefit of having the farm raised birds that preserves are you get your dog off in the off season or early season you take them to some place where you know there's going to have some easy shots and some birds they're going to get hip to the fact that there's birds out in fields when you're carrying a gun and they're gonna start looking for them, right? Yeah. Whereas shed hunting, like you gotta, plant. you're just walking around, you're, yeah, your man. Dog's just walking. And there's like, there's nothing. The dog's like, oh, cool, we're just playing. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, and your dog sees a shed in the woods. Most dogs that I've trained, if they're just gonna walk right past it, you know, unless you've done some conditioning to right. pick up that, right? So that. It's a it's a hard thing. I mean, anybody who's you know gone shed hunting knows that like you know sheds aren't easy to find unless you're yeah in general uh, yeah no yeah so yeah that's uh that I think the this, this shed hunting's gotten really big like the last few years yeah and that's uh, growing up I uh, obviously deer hunted my entire life growing up my family never shed hunted like it was we just we were like hey in September did you did you see that buck in that field and they were like yeah and we're like all right we're gonna hunt over there like right. there wasn't a shed hunting and now i my buddies are like dude i found this shed from this buck that was from last year and he's gonna be a hammer next year and i'm like 
Yeah, but I'm too busy. I'm not worried about that. Right. <laughs> I've got a couple of clients that have places up in Potter County and Perry County, and and they've got properties that they manage for deer. And so, yeah. like, having they shed hunt anyways. And so they were ideal clients. They said, hey, Walker, we have we want a dog to find birds. And we also, could you train them to do shed hunting too? Like, yes, because we, we can do that. It's, do you guys use spray and stuff? Do you I like, do. Yeah, I do the yeah. spray. I use wash. I mean, with that stuff, I'm, I'm using all accessible tools. Um, yeah, for sure. Because what else are you going to use to get them on it? Right, so yeah. I use visual identification. So I make these big cutouts um, that you can see, like, it looks like an antler. And then, and I do this from like young puppy conditioning. And there's a lot of information on how to do that. And if you're interested, call me. But um, there is, I make these cutouts at a young age, and your puppy right. like sees this thing and they're like, what the hell's that in the yard? And they run to it and I plant treats at it. Right. So then they're seeing these big plastic things that look like sheds running to it and getting positive reinforced. Later on, when the puppy, you start playing fetch with, you know, sheds and, you know, you build up drive um, to just make it a good thing to go find the antler when right, they pick yeah. it and bring it back to you. Yeah, because any other time they're like, why would I want to pick that up? Bitch? Exactly. <laughs> or or they, they, yeah. they, they like, uh, people like, well, I give my dog uh, antlers to chew on so he'll know what to do with it. Like, well, what's he do with it? He go at, when he when he finds an antler in your house. What's he do with it? He goes and lays it down on the couch and chews it up. Like when you're out there shed hunting, what do you want your dog to do? Like, do you bring want, it back? You and bring it, it not to lay down in the woods and start chewing it up. And then when you call it, like, hey, where are you? What's he gonna do when you are call your dog when he's laying there chewing on the shed at your house? He leaves the shed and he comes to you. So what the hell do you think he's going to do when he's out in the woods and you do the same thing? So a lot of this stuff is like, you know, you got to condition your dog to do what you want it to do. Like I said in the, the beginning, if you have expectations for your dog, if you have expectations that your dog's going to go out there and find sheds and bring them to you, you got to yeah. do some training or you got to, you know, pay somebody to do that for you. Yeah. Like, like with waterfowl hunting, I've obviously have been around guys who have done the waterfowl thing. And it's it's funny because there's times when I'm around people with dogs and they'll you know, we'll shoot a bird and they're like, All right, I'm gonna get the dog out here and we're gonna go get it. And the dog's like, It is twenty degrees out, bitch. Right. And then he steps in the water and he goes, Mm mm. Yeah. Like, because the dog likes the water, but the dog's like, It's cold and how long are we gonna be out here? Yeah. Like you can tell the dog's like Hold up. Yeah. You know, and so the dog almost needs to realize that what he's doing is yeah, I mean, natural. It's like we call that the force fetch, like in dog training. So uh, that's a bit, that's another thing that is really common. And like, you know, you got a dog, he goes hunting with you every once in a while. Um, he'll retrieve the ball out of the yard. He'll even got maybe a pheasant, a docking pheasant or duck dummy. You throw that thing and it'll chase that and bring it back. But when you bring your dog out there and he, number one, he didn't see the bird fall. That's hard. Like what the hell is he going to get? You're just telling him to go out into a field that yeah, he doesn't yeah. see it. You're just hoping he catches odor and gets it. So you need to have a way to enforce, like send your dog, like go out there. It's called a blind retrieve. Um, he goes out there and gets what, he, and then once it gets to the area, he can he'll, yeah, he uses, smell it out yeah, he uses figure the it out. odor to figure it out and bring it back to you. Um, but 
that's another thing that happens a lot, you know, and that happened to me. I have a young dog that I was hunting with at the end of the season here. Two pheasants came up and, you know, one flew one direction, one flew the other. I shot at the one that flew the opposite direction my dog was chasing. So how do I get my dog to go get the bird that I shot, not the one that he was looking at? You got to have some way to enforce this stuff in the field. Now, you know, your first couple of seasons, most of the time, you, you know, there's, there can be some learning curve where you let your dog just be a, you know, dog that's to be debated. But, um, uh, it's just, I mean, what, what are you going to do there? There, there is, a, there probably is like a factor of, Hey, this dog is very young. We have to base what we're doing around what the dogs yeah i mean classes it's a it's a balance of woe and go so you, you've seen the dogs that, that just want to go and go find right birds. naturally they're burning it up they yeah. want to go um when it comes to like a, a lab as far as upland in that it or a lab in the blind you need to train that dog to hold steady and chill out and wait until you send it so it's not a risk of getting shot in the upland fields you need to keep that dog in gun range so it's not running 50 yards out and flushing birds 70 yards out that are never going to get shot like that's an, right. another really frustrating thing that you know you want to put these expectations on your dog before you get out in the field and let them know what what's what what you're out there doing and what their expectations are obviously the labs are a good dog for everything is is there a breed that is people buy and they enjoy them but is hard to deal with like gsps really I mean, I stubborn wise or they just people don't understand that their dogs meant to go and run away from you independently and find birds. So they're also built like a lab but skinny. So yeah. they're ready to burn. I they want to burn. Yeah, they are that's that's what they do is they run, 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 and then go find birds, you know. And they're not meant to be in any type of range, you know. I mean, we we train them to stay, you know, ideally in the type of cover you're hunting. If you're hunting like really thick cover, you don't want your your GSP running 200 yards away. But it happens, and that's what brings a lot of people to me. They they bring they got. Unfortunately, these days I train a lot of GSPs for people who got a dog that didn't realize what the hell they got. You know, they are pet people or maybe they hunt once a year twice a year and they wanted a hunting dog and they heard gsps were good bird dogs and they got a gsp um not understanding that yeah you're gonna probably have to run that dog like yeah. every day you're gonna have to yeah. do some training to make it uh, you know huntable um you know pointing dogs point instinctually but they don't hold point and work with you instinctually, right? So the dog will hold the point, but, you know, to, for how long? You know, most dogs right. are going to go, yeah. especially if you're training, like if you're not lucky enough to train on wild birds, most of these, you know, uh, field, you know, farm-raised birds, they're hanging tight. And then your your dog takes out a couple of birds, <laughs> You know, now you got a flushing dog, and you know that's a it's a breed that I see a lot of novices getting and not understanding what what the hell they got. Right? Yeah, yeah. I that's 
I I would have guessed the same, right? Just because um, I not only see them a lot on the pheasant fields up here right. with the farm raised pheasants, but also because they they became like a fad. Like everybody wanted to have this these GSPs, yep. and it drives me nuts. And uh, anybody who knows me personally knows I work around a lot of construction developments in Maryland, right? And like these in Howard County, these townhome developments. And I would literally see somebody come out of a townhome while I'm working with like a, a full 120-pound husky. And I'm like, that thing lives in your townhome? Like, I have two boxers that would rather lay on the couch right. than run in a field. And they have four acres here. And I literally don't – I let them run wherever they want. Right. They go wherever they want. And, they, and they're cool with shit. But, like, I'm like, your husky lives in a townhome – and you walk them around a circle that's like a quarter acre around this circle once a day or once every two days. And and you have 120 pound husk. I'm like, it's the same with GSPs. I see them and I'm like, uh, because I just know I'm like, that dog just wants to go. Yeah. And you don't even you don't even know it. <laughs> like just- it it breaks my heart, honestly. Um, you know, I, I'm not like the I'm a I would I love dogs. Don't get me wrong, but I'm like a. I love dog training. I'm a like a dog man. I like hunting dogs. I like dogs that are, mean something. That means something the same way and, and do a purpose. So yeah, yeah. Um, it, it it really will to have to see a dog like a GSP that never gets to to go find birds, and not only that, but gets corrected to walk nicely in the neighborhood and every time they want to chase a bunny like and they're just never gonna get to be they just they just look at me digging beside the bunny and the bunny's like fuck off (laughs) it just just looks it just is heartbreaking to me like knowing like that the genetics that is in that dog like just says go and chase and kill and they're never gonna be allowed to do that it it's like you know a sportsman if like you don't whatever it is in you that made you want to hunt or fish, whether that is like your dad or whatever. um, Imagine like you're not allowed to do that. Like, and then not only that you're not allowed to do that, but every time you did it, somebody smack in your hand. Like, it's, yeah, no, no, I, I, I get exactly what you me, mean. It, it it's like that's crazy. animal cruelty. Like that. I only have, we only have four <laughs> acres here, and yeah. there's times that I feel bad because my dog, and I shouldn't because my dogs, they like tear it up out here. But like my, do- like they'll be running around the house and running in the woods, and like running, and I'm like, man, I bet if you put Oscar over there, my, our old box, like if you. If you took him up to the woods, he'd probably tear it up. Like he'd go all over, but he smells everything. Like, right. he, like, and it's just, and I feel bad. And then I go to these developments. And I'm like, yeah, are you kidding me? You paid five thousand dollars for a papered husky to to put him in a town. Like, yeah. You're a you're an idiot. Like, what is or or a GSP or even a lab? Like you, you see a lab because labs are so popular. Golden retrie- golden retrievers are the worst because. They're they're everywhere. Like people in developments, they have oh, they're the greatest dog. You're right. They are docile. They're wonderful dogs with family. But you know what else they want to do? They want to go to the mountain and run around for three miles. Right. Like they they just want to go after it. They want to go do it. Like right. it's it's hard. It sucks to see. It really does. Yeah, that's that's one of the uh, the hardest parts about my profession is telling people like no you 
like it, it is cool though like i've gotten some people that probably never would have hunted or bought a hunting license like hey or come up to the game preserve like hey you're coming up here and we're getting your dogs on birds like they need this and you know a lot of people do it and some people that weren't really initially probably would never be interested in hunting or a game farm or anything like that are like okay i, I kind of get this i can see like at least for my dog as soon as you see those eyes light up it's yeah. like oh yeah. that makes sense exactly yeah, so yeah. that's really rewarding um so th that's one of the positive parts of it it's like that's like uh i years ago as a couple of years ago and oscar's my boy so our our older boxer i got him tattooed up my entire side nice and and uh oscar he's a runt he was a run of the litter and uh he's a boxer purebred and i was like what what are boxers even like where do they come from right and i looked it up and like in germany where where boxers come from short face and everything was all they were built for bear hunting right in russia and like germany and and like sweden and those countries and i was like damn dude like you're supposed to be a bear dog like i feel terrible you're cooked up in my house you're supposed to be out there killing bears and shit dude don't feel bad man it's been a long uh it's been very far back in his genetic history that any dog right, yeah, has yeah. been chasing chasing bears yeah i i the uh it, it is very cool like i am i'm very much sucked into waterfowl hunting i love it and uh i think i took austin out this past year he killed his first yeah, his awesome. first animal he killed uh when i took him down we shot some <laughs> birds but yeah like uh like waterfowl hunting is very it's deep like the tradition is is very steep in this area because of the Chesapeake Bay market hunting. And there's a book sitting right there called The Outlaw Gunner. And that is absolutely Dorchester County, Maryland. Like, I'll have to check that guy, out. Guys that hunt, you can read that if you'd like. Uh, guys that it's a family who hunted market hunting illegally on the black market after the U.S. said, no more market hunting, you're going to kill everything. And they were doing it. And um, just like the connection of Chesapeake Bay retrievers. Yeah to the owner like to the guys who were grinding out when when the winters were like 10 days straight of zero degrees and like we don't get that anymore but right. like these guys that had these hard it was hardcore winters and on the bay the winds were always killer and it's not like hunting on a small lake in kansas it was like these just like stud winters where like it was terrible ice everywhere half the bay was covered over and they had these dogs that were bad ass dogs like you didn't mess with chesapeake bay retriever they were built to deal with it and they their dogs were treated that way like they were like hey let's go we're gonna go kill birds yeah and nowadays people have chesapeake bay retrievers and they have trouble because they butt heads with their dog when their dog gets older and i'm like yeah but these aren't labs. Yeah. These dogs were literally built yeah. to terrorize Chesapeake Bay. Like they were they were built for harsh winters and let's go get them. Like they they are they will barrel through you. Like they're they're hardcore. And people nowadays have them as pets in suburban areas. And I'm like, these don't you don't realize these dogs are badass dogs. Like this is not just your regular chocolate lab run of the mill. Yeah. This is a bad bitch. Like this thing will run through you. It, the it's cool, like 
that some some history on that is Chesapeake Bay retrievers were actually bred. They had to guard the the uh, boats because they were you know market hunters. They would want to guard the boats in there after the you know wherever they were the hunters would go. The Chesapeake Bay retrievers were supposed to guard that. So that is one of the, like, where that sharpness comes from. It's where labs, like, there ain't no guard dog in labs. Like, but Chesapeake's, they do have a little bit of that sharpness. And it, it's cool. They are cool dogs. I actually got to, to one of my trainer friends had a, was training a nice Chesapeake a couple months ago. And it was a badass dog. There were these guys out, and uh, I just recently heard this on a podcast. There's these waterfowl hunters out in the Midwest. They were talking about how their grandfathers owned Chesapeake Bay Retrievers, and the lodge they hunted at was called. It was something to do with Chesapeake Bay, but it was. It might have been called like Chesapeake Gun Club. Okay, but it was in like Wisconsin, or right. um, it might have been like Missouri or something. But they were on a river over there. And they called it the Chesapeake Gun Club, and they had Chesapeake Retrievers because it was back then. It was the weather was gnarly on Chesapeake, right? And like you were a badass if you were a Chesapeake right. Bay duck hunter, right? Well, nowadays it's like we got fair weather, right? And then like, those guys out there have harsher winters than us, but they all had Chesapeake Bay Retrievers. That was a big deal, right? You know, having all these Chesapeake Bay Retrievers, and I. I almost feel gross about the fact that so many guys that I know hunt Chesapeake Bay and have labs. And I'm like, dude, you gotta get it. You gotta get Chessie. Like, come on. Like, I know they're, I know they're stubborn, but like it, it means a little bit more. Yeah. That is know? cool. Yeah. Having, having a, a sense of like, this is our dog. And like, that's always cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I like I'm a dog man. It doesn't matter to me really where the dog comes, but I'd like the the history of it. Um, mm. I'll eventually probably have beagles again, just because beagles to me are like the working man's hunting dog. Beagles and dude, watching beagles run, it, I've I'd never seen it until this past year, and yeah. I was like, this is cool. I just always saw fat beagles that people had their house. No, you can still pick <laughs> up a badass beagle for like. You know, some from somebody who hunts from like, you know, I don't want to, you know, you can you can get a nice beagle for sub five hundred bucks. That right, is, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. gonna be a badass hunting dog. Right, yeah, it's yeah. hard to find. It's a, not like a Frenchie. You're paying three thousand dollars for a dog that sits on your couch. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's even hard to find any decent hunting dog that again that if you have expectations for, it's hard to find a decent hunting dog yeah. that you're not gonna be going, you know, a thousand plus. Which is, you know, for us hunters, we we put our money in everything else, and the amount of uh, time that you're going to spend training your dog, you know, it, it it's compares to nothing. On the, it makes sense to spend a little bit, exactly. Yeah, but you know, I, for the same reason of that tradition, I want to have beagles because that's what is like to me. Like that's a working man's dog where you can just yeah. It, any there's no he's Kelly says his beagles will. He said he has pheasant hunted with his couple oh, of his yeah. beagles, and they'll flush beagle, they'll flush pheasants. Yeah, that's that's how I started sh shooting pheasants. You know, I never got to shoot them when I was young because you know that was just a hard thing to do. I was always the rabbit shooter, um, but 
Yeah, man. The it, it's just wild. Um, I, a beagle. I, I thought beagle hunting was so cool when we went last year. I was like, I never because you think of not you, but like most people think of beagle as the same way I do. Like. Oh, you got beagles, so they bark at everything, and they, yeah. well, that's because they're turn up 100%. Like, they're 100 all the fucking time. Yep. And it's so cool that, like, I went out with these beagles, and they'd come sprinting through, and then he would have different, all of them have a different name. They right. had their, their own collars. And then one would come through, and he'd be like, Nanny's going to run through your legs. Watch when she comes back. And she'd be running back, and the whole pack come back and she she come back and rub my leg with her head and she'd stand there and i'd pet her and she'd take off again it was like each of them had their own personality yeah and i was we were just in there it was their element yeah. and we were there with them right and they were doing their own thing and it's it's a different style of hunting but it is impressive like yeah. to watch those beagles work i know it's only a rabbit and i know that like many people bear hunt and coon hunt and but just to watch them corral the eight rabbits that were in this five acre thicket, it was like, yeah. <laughs> it was wild. I'm like, wow. Like they, they all work together. That one's barking at that one. She's not happy with that one. And like, they were like bumping the other dogs and then this one take off. And they, they just all work together like cohesively. Yeah. Whereas with deer hunting, it is, is, I'm very impatient. Right. So I hunt off the ground a lot too, because I will like try to get as close as I can to deer and right. things. But watching dogs run, it's like, you don't even have to worry about it. You just sit back. You watch good dogs. You just sit back. Exactly. And, like, and Kelly spent his whole life doing it. But yeah, no, it, it's, it's walk, watching some good hounds is, is to me is awesome it's a totally different realm than what i do now most of the bird dog stuff duck dog upland it is a lot of training the dogs are working very much under your your direction whereas hound hunting it is like go find the stuff and i'll follow you yeah right right <laughs> it whether it be gps or just following their their bark but yeah so like with i i've wanted to do this for a long time I had a guy on a, on, a, on a podcast a year and a half-ish ago, and the guy was from Southern Virginia. They do they do deer hunting okay. with hounds. Now you can't you can't do that except for like five counties in Virginia. I think Alabama and maybe Arkansas there and Florida. I I think other than those states. They've come the U.S. the the state level. They've completely cut everything off. Right. I understand why not because it is very obtrusive. Like if you own a property besides someone who runs dogs yeah. in a legal county, you might just be set up in your tree stand. All of a sudden, because the dogs don't know where the property line is. Right. All of a sudden, the dogs run onto your property, bump deer, and it's a very big deal. But this guy shot a record Virginia deer like a huge That's deer awesome. down below richmond his dog he missed it the year prior and his dogs ran it back past him the next year and he shot it and uh he invited me and my dad down to hunt that's cool and um that guy is cool stuff but he he was just like it's a different thing because you don't people don't realize the entirety of the united states will 
shit on the fact that he lets dogs out to deer hunt. Right. But I want to go down and do it because I'm like, I bet if I was in the moment, I don't understand it. Oh, dude. You know? I would not want to have deer run up on my tree stand, but I would totally run deer with dogs. Like, that... I I would do it once or twice. Like, I think that would be fun as hell. Yeah, yeah. It was cool. And, like, Kelly runs. He now he goes to West Virginia for most of what he does. Right. But they run. His bear dogs are good. Like, they, they kill yeah, a lot of bears. That's cool. And his hound, his, his uh, I guess they're blue ticks or whatever they are, but his hounds are, they're tall dogs, but they, they are great dogs. Like, awesome dogs and and he literally lets so in west virginia a lot of public land you can still use like a buggy like you can four-wheeler or whatever right so that he's got utv and it almost seems like cheating right but they like let the dogs out the boxes yep on the utv with collars on and they look at a garmin yep and when the dogs stop they go get them (laughs) like that's how they that's how they find bears and i i've always wanted to just go with them i don't even need to sh- pull the trigger right i just i just want to be a fly on the wall yeah and like experience it because it's watching or like watching and being a part of those dogs doing that is so cool to me yeah. the fact that those dogs noses are so good that they're like yeah i think there's a bear about a mile over there i cut a track here and then and then three miles later they got it he's in a tree it's like how cool is that? No human can do that. These yeah. dogs can do that. Yeah, that's pretty. I would love to do that. Just go go along on one of those bear hunts. I like most of the hound world, other than beagle stuff, is totally like foreign to me. I would love to just do a coon hunt sometime. Um, I had a couple of friends. If you want to go on a coon hunt, I got you. Okay. Well, my buddy right down here does it. Okay, nice. Well, I would. I'll hit you up on that. But I. I had some friends that had some coon hounds and it was like, this was before I was like a a dog trainer, (laughs) but we let the dog go and it was like, okay, now we're going to, it was, we didn't know, nobody had no GPS trackers. So now it's just like, okay, have a dog anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Now we don't have your dog. And so like, it would just be, we drive around looking for this, hoping they would hear this dog and it went, you know, they never did no train with it and it sucked. It was just driving around at night looking for this dog. Um, again, going back to a dog that isn't trained is like zero fun to hunt with, whether it be a hound dog or, you know, whatever. But yeah, yeah. The guy, the guy does taxidermy. Yeah. Uh, the guy raised the birds. Okay. He also has his own, uh, he trained his own hounds. Okay. And he runs coon hounds. Yeah. Oh, that's the guy. He's out of Tawnytown. Okay. Maryland. Yeah. I'd definitely like to go on. But that. yeah, yeah. He he does it all the time. Okay, cool. Yeah, he's very good. But yeah, that that the hound dog thing is very different because you like you said, it's uppity, it's the upland yeah, man. thing. That's that's a good and you know what's you know what's terrible is I still always think about if I was upland hunting, I always my dad has a side by side. Right. I'm not gonna hunt. It's it's not a hunting gun like that. Something that I hunt with, right? But Dad has a he's uh, a we have a couple over unders, but Dad has this old like I think it's a 20 gauge or 12 gauge side by side, and you know Dad's like I don't even know if the thing still works. Like the stocks crack, like whatever. 
but I always thought like, how cool would it be like take that out and and you know go out and upland hunt and kill something. When it comes to like hound hunting, it's like we need shit that works. Let's go after them. Like it doesn't matter what it is. Like yeah. the hounds get them. Like you you go after it. That's a, it's so cool. That's that's yeah. like the rabbit hunting too. Man, with those beagles, it's like. You don't worry about what the gun. You just go. Just go. You just go. Yeah, it's you know, a slightly different worlds for sure. <laughs> the bear and bears. I'm not particularly a bear meat eater. I don't. It's not sought after. I, honestly, in Virginia, when we hunt in Virginia, I I bypass. We bypass bears. Yeah, because the meat itself tastes good. The silver skin and the ligaments taste terrible. Yeah. So they'll they'll like uh, put a tinge in the meat. So all the bears we see they go we let them go uh but if somebody was like hey you want to go do a hound hunt and i'm like right so like yeah i I, i'll go along i'd like to see it okay so maybe maybe i'll do that i'll do that this year you know that that's the cool thing about the podcast i've met a lot of people oh hell yeah and so i get i get to kind of go out on these things and uh yeah that's uh that's cool i i think hound, hound dogs are more rugged it's like a it's it's not finesse. Yeah. It's not that I talked about romanticism earlier. Yeah. There is no romanticism in I got a 30 pack of beer in here and you dogs go get that bear. Like there's no romanticism. You know what I mean? Like the people who live in the mountains of yeah. West Virginia aren't like, all right, honey, now you go get that bear and we're gonna come get there is none of that. It's like I am drunk and you go get the bears and we're gonna so that's it's a little yeah. bit different, but yeah. It's cool. It's like a it's like a rough and tumble like way for dogs, to hunt, you know. Uh, you know, it's that's cool too. Yeah, that sounds like a lot. To, of eat, fun. to each his own. To each his, to own. Each his own. Uh, I'd like to. I like all everything. Like I would do that also. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, do you do you find yourself? So you work with Central Pen. Yeah. Do you find yourself having to now revert or like deal with more waterfowl dogs, or is it? Is it kind of like a mix? No, or? I would say because it is gotten very popular. Yeah, like, no, most of what I'm doing is upland stuff. Like, okay, just because of what I have available. To the me, situation. The situation that, that if people are coming to me, like it's a upland. They're okay. Heavy. Um, like I said, I can do waterfowl stuff, um, but it's usually you're going to somebody else that is like a waterfowl like a duck hunter on the east like always go there are a few big names on eastern shore yeah man um and train your dog with people who who find a trainer who hunts like you hunt you know um i hunt you know all types of things um but mostly my deal is upland, you know, I would love to shoot a duck this year, but that's not really my, my main jam. I'm not spent like thinking about duck hunting trips. I'm thinking about my upland trips, you know what I mean? So if somebody is upland or waterfowl focused and I'm going to ask like, all right, what are you doing? What's your deal? What? Okay. You, you do, you, you hunt around here. Then yeah, I'll, I'll probably help you out. But if you're taking your dog down to the Eastern shore and you want your dog. It's probably better to yeah. divert. 
yeah right, man right. especially if you want to send your dog up and divers and that type of stuff like i'm not going to be able to get your dog in the eastern shore like <laughs> but, yeah um i can get your dog on tons of quail chucker pheasant and that's what's going to translate to them in the uplands in the in the fall do you guys do much blood blood tracking like, yeah that's another thing that i get into quite a bit um that's something i have easy access to um blood tracking i wouldn't say that it is the easiest thing but after um i come from like canine training that's like how i got my start is so foot training a dog to ignore the all the other critters in the woods and just find the track the man that's pretty hard to do so when you switch it and now we're training the dog to find a, a deer Only the deer blood and, and blood right, like yeah. after it all happened i mean especially a dog that's genetically you know prone to do so it, it goes pretty quick it, it, you you don't make do they pick up on iron is that what they're picking up on like so the a good set? tracking dog is picking up on all of the elements in the woods they're picking up on the disturbed uh dirt this pool like it, fresh topsoil exactly right, all yeah. of that stuff they're picking up on the probably the pheromones or whatever that that deer sh left off when they yeah, when yeah. shot land all that stuff um so all of that comes into a good tracking dog and again that is to me who has taught dogs to ignore all that stuff in the past. Right. When, yeah, you, yeah. when you get to a dog like, okay, now you got to, you get to go find the stuff that is most obvious to you that you want to go get. Let's do that. Um, you know, you just got to set up training scenarios that, you know, are conducive to learning and try not to get in your dog's way. <laughs> you know, I see a lot of people just getting in their dog's way. A lot of time, you know, people that, um, I don't want to discourage people from training their own dogs because you learn a lot. And, you know, I started with training my own dogs a long time ago. Um, but you're going to, a lot of times you need to, it, it helps to see like, okay, this is where I want to go. I see that I want to chain my dog to blood track. So you want to first start with just teaching your dog to track. And then what you might not want to do is train your dog to track every deer, you know, that because that's not going to be really helpful for you because you probably shot that deer and there's other deer around, you know. Yeah, yeah, most likely. <laughs> right. So, there's a, there's so the pheromone and the estrus and the yeah, everything tells them. You don't want to get yeah. your dog just excited about chasing deer, you know. That is not the same thing as blood tracking. So is that the same as, like, how old – uh, old heads used to take their beagles and throw them in a uh, tumbler with a deer hide in there and beat yeah, the man, shit out of them. There's a lot of that <laughs> stuff. Like, uh, yeah, I, you could do that. I, I remember those <laughs> days. Like, I, I, I wouldn't, but you certainly, you know, do it. You know, I would say probably not do that to your dog. Do Do you think that things have, or not do you think, obviously they have, but how have ch things changed from an old school mentality of, training dogs whether they be beagles or upland dogs to now like what 
what has changed so oh man so much has changed we as someone who does who yeah. never had hunting dogs right i know that there were always some real hinky yeah things that old heads used to do i and, mean before you had electric collars you know sending your dog down the the hill with a um a deer hide in it you know I don't know what else would you do, you know, or unless you had a horse to run up and catch that dog and correct it, you know, which is what a lot of the old bird dog trainers they would do. Um, but it electric collars is the thing that is to one short answer, like electric collars, man. Um, not only electric collars aren't new, they've been around for, you know, probably 20, 30 years now. What's different is how we're using them as professionals. Um you know, when they first came out, it was just one giant smack on the back of the head. If you didn't like your dog, yeah. what they were doing, you would yeah. hit it and they would go, Mom! and it would, they would never do. They would realize. It, right. <laughs> but what the problem is, is that. But they might only be doing one thing wrong and there were yeah, 10 things they were doing right. Exactly. Maybe they had the bird in the mouth and they were stopping to sniff something else and you told them to come and they hit that button and they associated the the pressure from having the bird in their mouth you know what i mean there's a lot of that's where the biggest changes is, is coming from is not only the remote callers the tools but how we're using the tools um you know also i guess would be you know back in the day when there was wild birds as far as uplands you know you could let your dog out and you go for walks and your dog would learn that if there's a there's a, a wild woodcock or a wild uh grouse right and if they pressured that bird too much it would fly away you know now you know if you're actually try i can't if i'm trying to train dogs for clients i cannot rely on wild birds like it is you would never get anything done i would have to charge way too much money to go take people their dogs to wisconsin or you know far away places where i could reliably get on birds all the time um that's the benefit of having a game farm that I work with, a central pen. Is that they right, got yeah. they got quail. We'll put out if you're trying to get your young dog on birds, we're gonna put out twelve quail in a field and just let them go wild, and they're gonna learn that they can't check can't catch quail, you know, and so they better start pointing so you can shoot them so oh, they I get their you. birds yeah, in the yeah, mouth, yeah, right? Yeah. But if your dog learns to just catch them, then they don't point anymore, right? Um, the so that's a big thing, just the lack of wild birds, and so having to train on. Pen, yeah, pen maybe birds. fifty years ago there were enough. Yeah. actually, wild birds in the area. Totally. If you were yeah. an upland guy and you had a an English setter and you were around here and you were you know wanted to get your dogs on train your dogs, you would just go for a hike in the mountains. You know, your dog would eventually learn. Um, at this point, that is going to be a a tough tough thing to do tough road to hoe yeah exactly i i i wonder this because you just brought up woodcock again i what is obviously most people when they think upland they think pheasant and quail and chucker chucker's a little bit different but yeah. pheasant and quail and when you put in pers can you put into perspective what the difference is between a dog that knows how to burn fields for pheasant and chucker or, or whatever, right? And quail and the difference between that and 
maybe grouse. And then woodcock is is a different beast itself, migratory, right? A little bit different animal. So, what's the difference? Like so, I mean, you got to get your dog out in the wilds too. I mean, so having your dog used to, you know, it, you need to get your dog on birds to to have a bird dog at this point. Like, you got to have your dog understand that there's birds when they when you go for a walk. Right. Yeah. You got to understand they have to know that they're looking for birds they have to know what they're looking for so that is the biggest thing um the transition from wild birds to pen raised birds can be tricky for a dog um it for a good bird dog it they figure them out within a morning a day a day and a half two days if you go on your hunting trip like you're they're gonna start figuring them out um but Usually farm raised birds aren't flying, man. So the, I mean, like you said, and we talked before the podcast, you the reason why you don't really you're not really so hip to the the pheasant hunting is because the pheasants weren't flying good, man. If they were not if they're not flying, it, it's like No, they, they were like right there and I was like, All right, I'm gonna shoot you. If like, there was a bird there, if it was if, if there was a dog there, that dog would have caught the pheasant or you know, it, that's probably what it would have done. And so then the f- next time that dog goes out and smells a pheasant, he's just running towards the scent because he's going to try to catch that catch bird. It. Right. right? Yeah. Um, wild birds will not ever be caught by a dog. You know, it's almost unheard of. So if your dog, if you have a pointing dog and you have your dog run in there to try to catch, it's going to run away. And you're, you're never going to get a shot opportunity on that bird. So, they either, and this happens, you either um, have spent your time at the game farm being teaching your dog productive bird manners, and there's a right way and wrong way to, to hunt at a, a bird farm. Um, if they've, if you taught your dog good bird manners, then all is good when you transition into wild birds. If you have let your dog get like wishy-washy and creep up on birds like and just your dog has learned that birds are dead basically and have to be kicked to make fly your dog's not doesn't he's gonna get lazy he's not gonna he's he's gonna get get lazy lazy and not respect the bird's space so every time your dog smells a grouse he's gonna get so close to that grouse that it flies away before you get an opportunity to shoot so that's the biggest thing is if you're transitioning from wild birds to pen raised birds just you know, understanding that everything you do on pen raised birds is going to translate to the wild birds. So if your dog is rushing in and catching the, the, right. the yeah, farm raised yeah, birds, yeah. you're never going to see those wild birds at all. So with, so with woodcock, like they're, yeah. they're small. Yes. So if, if you're, we were on public land here in Pennsylvania when yep. we when we saw I told you before the podcast yep. we were out hunting saw this woodcock and we're like what is that thing and it's dancing in front of us and it flies away right and it was legal season and we're like oh my god I was like I think that's a, that was a woodcock right and and we didn't know if you were going to woodcock hunt with a with a dog right what do you do? Like, what? what is, are you looking for a, a, a landscape structure or like? So you're looking for, I mean, edge habitat. That's, you know. That's what we were, we were a hedgerow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, woodcock like soft, 
soft, squishy ground. They, you see their beaks. They got their beaks that they can. The reason why their beaks are like that is to go in and get earthworms off of that makes soft sense. earth. Yep. So um, anytime this was a marshy area. Yep. You're makes in sense. a marshy area. Um, this got some, uh, you know, to me, I almost like refer to it as woodcock grass. Um, but it, it it's, you know, about knee high grass that is, you know, in some wet stuff that you're going to be around some, some woodcock. Um, woodcock, is there a time frame? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, woodcock migrate, man. I'm not the, the go all end all be all my, the, the, the woodcock guy. Um, but yeah, they migrate. Um, basically all upland season, man. So they're either coming, they fly all around. And I go on, I'm a member of the the Rough Grouse Society and Woodcock Society. And you go on their website and you can see like the tracking of what the Woodcock bands do, like what those birds are doing. Man, they'll be in North Carolina one day and be in West Virginia the next day, be in New York the next day, and they hop around and they'll come back. They it's when they're migrating, it's hard to say exactly where they're going to go. Like, oh, they, you can't pinpoint them. Yeah, I mean, because normally waterfowl, if somebody in in New York says, "Hey, we got redheads right now," right, a week later, if we get a cold snap, I'm like Chesapeake Bay. Right, we're we're hunting right ahead. It might be like that, but there'll be times where they're mysterious, man. That's one of the reasons why I like them. You'll be there one day, um, and the next day they'll be gone. It's just wild like that. I I think the the most the one that's the most mysterious to me is the grouse. They're they're there, but like when when you're going, say you look at a set of public land on a map and you're it, it might be on your phone and right. you say hey we're gonna go in and we're gonna rough rough grouse hunt here right what do you do like what is your are you looking for something specifically or are you just hitting uh i, I don't even know how to explain it like rough grouse i'm looking for 10 year old cuts usually cutovers cutovers yeah. that are about 10 years old um I like stuff that is thick that you can't walk through. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Like nasty. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Nasty shit that you're is either really thick with laurel that you're not going to want to get through. That's normally when you blow them out is it, when you're in ex- the thick shit. Exactly. Yeah. And that's where I'm sending in my dog and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I personally, like, it would be a real hard endeavor to, at least locally too especially to go hunt grouse without a dog um that's always what i'm looking for is thick nasty stuff that you don't want to get in when it comes to grouse that's where i, I think they'll be especially around here locally yeah i mean you know they're they're ghosts man they're you're not gonna find them well i think they call them the king king of yeah, upland or yeah, whatever yeah, the I, just, I i just it's funny because i told you yeah like i've grown up my entire life flushing them like crazy flushing them (laughs) (laughs) and when i when i heard that on the podcast that podcast from tennessee i was like no they're every they're everywhere in virginia where i hunt and they're like apparently nobody's hunting there because they're everywhere i'm just letting you know yeah and but like in the spring we'll be turkey hunting we'll be walking down the, the logging trail yeah there'll be a male strutting in the road and me and my brother are standing there like we should shoot him. 
because he's being stupid for this last season. <laughs> so I just would like literally walk up on him, right? And he'll just walk in front of us, like he he won't stop strutting, right? He'll be looking at us like, "Hey, dude, I'm trying to get some nookie here, dude." So, like, <laughs> yeah, it's just I don't know. It's funny because in the fall, they don't want nothing to do with you. Yeah, in the spring, yeah, they're they're only worried about one thing. Yeah, I mean. And it rhymes with Ussie. That's all they're that's all they're worried about. Yeah, I mean it is the season. That spring. I I do I do really love grouse. So they're like um I don't know what it is. Of all even pheasants, some people will kill a pheasant and be like, How beautiful is this? And I was like, You've never seen a grouse strutting, dude. Right. I've seen a grouse strutting, and there's nothing prettier than a grouse. Yeah, like turkeys are. I've shot. It's right there on the wall. Right. That's my. That's the crappiest turkey I've ever shot, and I've shot a lot. Right. I've shot plenty of turkeys in my day. There's nothing prettier than a than a full plume grouse. Like right. there's nothing. Yeah, prettier. I agree, man. And and nothing wilder either. Nothing wilder. Right. When we were, me and my buddy were up in Green Ridge this year. We were turkey hunting. We got on one bird and we're down over the ridge and we're standing there. And he goes, Did you hear that? And he's new. He's new yeah. to hunting, new to turkey hunting. Right. And I heard it again. I said, hey, It's a grouse. It's like, he's like right here. I said, I bet he's on a stump or on a log. Sometimes I'll hop up on a log. Right. And I'll still yeah. like, drum on a log and strut and i was like i bet he's like right here and he goes that's not a turkey i was like no i was like a turkey's way louder now i was like but a grouse he'll get gnarly right like uh, he'll, he'll he'll drum all over right. this place yeah yeah I, I love grouse man it's it's different it's not it's not anything like normal upland hunting people think of upland hunting like you said uppity everybody thinks chucker grouse quail or a chucker pheasant quail and um nobody ever says grouse and i'm like nah man yeah grouse or something different yeah man. that's where it's at i got i definitely gotta go with you this year because hell yeah man Let's i i really do it like even if i'm not uh, i just want to be a fly on the wall i just want to go with you because i i would like to see how you do it because to me i've been around them my whole life yeah and like it's they're beautiful and i love them and i respect them like they're they're like one of those things where dude i just respect them they're they're like we're they're going to your spot we're going to your spot <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're going to virginia where they're all over the place they're everywhere and i can and uh yeah you definitely can come because i can't hit them so if you can shoot them that'd be great all right well it was a great podcast up over here cool man Let's all right hey tell, tell everybody where they can find you uh walker woods and all the social media things uh, i think i'm at walker woods uh on facebook i'm walker woods walker woods the or the human i think so yeah i think i'm the human walker woods the human on instagram um yeah yeah that's it <laughs> and uh woodsfamilydogtraining.com if you're interested in you know some help getting ready your dog ready for hunting season um upland waterfowl deer you know uh whether you want some blood tracking done or you know shed hunting we can help you out with all that stuff um if you're looking for a like we said a chesapeake water dog i might send you somebody down the road but 
I can help you out with everything else. So hit me up. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, man.